Hello, everybody. This is the Hodgepodge of Nothingness podcast, and I am your host, David Korb. We have a special guest, the Ford, Michael McHenry. Michael, how you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm doing great coming off that Bucko win. I figured we'd do a small little uh, recap of the game, and then we'll go into why I got you on the show in the first place. Hey, sounds perfect to me. It was a really good win, taking two out of three from the Mets, and man, Kutch getting his 2,000th hit at PNC with his family in town. I mean, just a special day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just to ha- see him do it in black and gold again. And, I mean, he was the third fastest active player to 2,000 hits. So I thought that was a pretty cool thing to see as well. It's incredible. I mean, I don't think we can probably understand exactly how cool that was until we ha- maybe take a little time to reflect. I mean, 291 players have ever had 2,000 hits. Think about that for a minute. Right. 291, it's right? It's it's yeah. incredible. It's really, really neat and to think he's – back in Pittsburgh in the black and gold. He lives here and, you know, his family's in town and he gets to do something like that at PNC, the special. Yep. And I mean, on top of that, just his play in general, since he's come back to them, he has been phenomenal. He really has. He has. I mean, he took it. He, he kind of took it this off season. As like, I got to really put some things together and he got with Ch- uh, Chase Rowe at Battleground Academy out in Mars and, they dug in deep and they made some really good adjustments, adjustments that, you know, he's been needing to make to kind of make sure that his body's moving right as you get older. You feel things a little bit different, but his bat speed's still there. I mean, it, it, it's as good as it's ever been. So he's just making sure that he has a repeatable swing and multiple options with that swing. And it's been phenomenal watching him do what he's doing, especially in the f- fact that he's DHing. I mean, it's very hard to do, especially when you play most of your career you know, in the outfield that keeps you loose, that keeps you active. You know, he's kind of just pinch hitting, you know, three or four times a day. That's kind of how DHing is. It's not easy. So, yeah, it's remarkable what he's doing, his ability to walk, get on base. And I think the biggest impact he's had is, you know, in the clubhouse, on the bench, being able to pour to these young guys. So it's been really good to have him here. I think he's impacting in a multitude of ways. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, you know, they said he, showed, he was in phenomenal shape, like usually is anyways, but like, to get in phenomenal shape and then be like, yeah, you're going to be the DH. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, but at the same time, I mean, he's older. So like they're trying to preserve him. So I, I, I get it. You know what I'm saying? Keep, keep him fresh. So he doesn't tire out through the season. So I get it. Uh, but yeah, no, just, to, just to have an impact, like he's going to have because he is who he is in the clubhouse, but then to, to have an impact how he has for in the games, you know, getting on base so much, it, it's just, it's just been incredible to watch really. It really has. I mean, if you think about, a guy's chasing something historic. He needs three hits and he walks nine times in five games. I mean, it just shows his maturity and how much he's grown on and really the understanding he has of himself. You know, he yep. said in his post uh, post game interview that, you know, he doesn't want to swing outside the zone. Like he, it's almost like he's trained himself not to. And, you know, the guys around him and the youngsters like Sawinski, who have some swing and miss Castro, who have some swing and miss can, can see a guy that, and Kutch, who had swing and miss early on, but always had that ability to kind of pull back, take his walks, and do some things you know, that most players couldn't do. I think that is going to have a lasting impact on those guys, this organization, and the city long past when you know he's done playing because that's the type of duty he is, the type of player he is, the type of man he is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we you think about like how long has it been since they've had a player of this caliber? I mean, it's been – what decades really Barry Bonds Barry <laughs> yeah, Bonds is the last right? player that you could probably put in the same company um, yep. maybe maybe talk about Vance like but I think Kutch 
you know, maybe a better player. I didn't get to watch him too much, but you know, no, that's you, the reality. The last yeah, two decades, you, it's Andrew McCutcheon. Yeah, you literally read my mind. The last one I was thinking was Barry Bonds too. Um, moving on, uh, Keller, uh, early in the game, he was using his cutter, his changeup early, pounding the inside corner on the Mets lefties with cutters, then utilizing the sweeper on the righties. Uh, he definitely went more uh, off-speed early, but then started bringing the heat in the middle innings. He was hitting 97-98 on the gun. Yeah, he kind of looked like a uh, vintage Verlander when he used to start a little bit you know, slower with his velocity and then ramp it up when he needed it. I, I think it was a chip-on-your-shoulder type start for him. Right. I, I believe he knew that he needed to get the off-speed in the, in the mix early. I really liked the uh, curveball usage, especially the first time through the order. There were some early strikes, stole some strikes with it, and then – he started to mix in some other things. And when that cutter's going good, which it hasn't over the last couple starts, um, it, it makes his fastball play different because he can X pattern the sinker and the cutter. And then that makes the sweeper better, which makes the four seam almost unhittable because it's the only one that's coming in somewhat straight. And he's throwing it 98, you know, at the top of the zone. So really like what I saw from him. I, I think it was a statement game. And I think it's a uh, good precursor to what's to come over the next, you know, three, four, five starts. I, I hope to see more of that. But last start, he was just out of sync. Right. And that was, was so good to see him come in today and do what he did today. Because, I mean, you want to see your ace come back and have a game like that because you want to make sure there's not something wrong, you know. So, yeah, no, I was, I was glad to see it too. I just – he has so many different pitches. It's just – I mean, good luck to the opposing batters, right? <laughs> yeah, you, you have to choose a spot. I mean, he, he's – he's not going to get predictable if he's smart and he is. And with hedges back there, they really keep guys on their toes and they throttle them. And what I mean by that is, you know, they never re repeat the same pitch in the same location. So you're constantly using, you know, perceived velocity and, and, and playing with the brain. And these guys are thinking, all right, I've got this. I'm going to get there. And then it sinks in and they're like, all right, we're going to get to that one. No, it cuts in on them. Then like, Oh, I finally got a, a, a sinker up. No, it's a four seamer that just keeps, you know, riding at the top zone. And then all of a sudden he throws an 83, you know, mile hour sweeper that breaks as much horizontally as anybody's sweeper in the game. And I still think his curveball is a weapon that he doesn't use enough. So, yeah, he's got a huge tool belt. He's learned how to use it. And I think sometimes he gets a little happy with, with his hard stuff. But today he did a, did a really good job. And to be honest, if he's locating, he can get as happy as he wants with his hard stuff. Yeah, literally, literally his only blemish was the homer to McNeil, and that was an inside fastball. That was just a good job by McNeil to, to get out in front and get under it and get it out of there. Yeah, and I think that's a good learning lesson for him. You know, guys that really make good contact and have good swing decisions, when they get to that two strikes, uh, it, it it's maybe not a time to sneak a ball by a guy, you know, and that's what that front hip sinker is. But – Kudos to McNeil because he's probably one of the only guys on the planet that would have hit that pitch. Right. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I, I just – when they, when they showed the replay, I was like, man, how in the world did he do that? I was – Right. But that's why this is the MLB. Exactly um, right. Yeah. Speaking of uh, another guy that's just absolutely doing amazing things, uh, Kebron Hayes. Like, the play at third, running to backhand that ball down the line and still making the crossover throw to get Fam out. Then the play where he basically ran over to shortstop and made that throw. And then he got the other play where he got the guy out at second, which most third basemen can't make that play. I, his, he's got to be the guy that gets Golden Glove. Sure. has to. I said it on the postgame show, I think you got to go to a different planet to find a different material to make his glove out of. Uh, can, to, to 
make sure you're giving compliments to what he's doing this year. I mean, he's been better than he has his first couple seasons as a third baseman. And there's only two other third basemen, maybe three other third basemen that are playing today that could have made that play. But there's zero third baseman that could have made it look that easy. Right. That's the thing. It's just like he makes these plays and you're just like, yeah, okay. And then everybody's like, no, no, you don't understand. Most people can't make that play. And it's like, oh, oh, okay. It's just he does it all the time. So you get used to looking so easy. But, I, you know, I've seen that the Arenados and them, I've seen them not be able to do some of those plays. So to me, it's just like he's definitely unique. And it just I just don't see how he doesn't win it this year, honestly. I mean, he's well on his way. I mean, every defensive uh, metric that you can find has got him out in front, not just as third baseman, but almost as a defender, period. So I, I think we're going to see him – Jumped to the top. I think we're going to see Nolan Arenado finally lose his reins. But, um, yeah, I mean, I feel very fortunate to watch him on a day-to-day basis. I get to play with Arenado. I get to play with Longoria, two of the best third basemen, in my opinion, up till I saw Key, especially this year. You know, what he's doing is remarkable. Um, I, I don't think we can even put it into description because, yeah. to be honest, he's probably the best shortstop in the league, too, if he just moved over. You're probably right because I see him make those plays where he actually is. You know, they do the shift, infield shift, and like he's literally playing shortstop and still making these great plays. I, I agree. I, I think he could be the best shortstop just as much as third base, like you said. No doubt about it. I, I actually made an argument that, you know, if uh, Truolo, I think that's his name, I, I always forget his name in AAA, if he ends up being a, a really good hitter, he, if they could talk, one of those guys could play shortstop and probably be your best shortstop um, in your organization. And you have the best left side in the infield. Maybe Cruz moves to first or left. Who knows? Um, I hope he pans out at shortstop after his foot. But, yeah, you have a lot of options, especially with a guy like Key Bryan, who, you know, anywhere you put him on the dirt, he's probably going to be your best defender. Yep. Um, how about uh, Sawinski today? I mean, the single, but the home run, man. My gosh, he crushed that hanging curveball by Carrasco over the Clemente wall. That was majestic. <laughs> it, it, it was, and his swing just looks so short. Um, he's getting everything done on the backside to, to just let, let that barrel play out front. Um, and when he doesn't swing at the ball at the top of the zone, especially higher velocities, he's a different animal. And that's exactly what's happened over the last three or four games, and that's why – seem to see his homers bunch together when they don't when they can't get him at the top they're going to start trickling down when they trickle down he's going to do damage as long as he doesn't swing outside himself so yeah i think he's still growing into who he is I, i'll say it till blue in the face he's going to lead our teams in home runs um i said that before o'neill cruz got hurt um because i think he's a guy that could hit 30 this year if he gets on a really good uh run and what he did to the lefties just this past weekend kind of proves like if he plays consistently against lefties, he's going to get his hits. He may not, you know, smash these guys. He's probably going to have a high uh, swing and miss, but the more bats he gets as cerebral as he is, he's going to get better. And that's what I want to see. Yeah. Because some of the scary things with him is, is that some of those swings, it doesn't even look like he's swinging hard. Like uh, the, was it yesterday? Yeah. The one where he golfed it and it was a foul, unfortunately, but I mean, he golfed that basically it didn't even, really turn on it that hard, just golfed it out of there, but it looked like he hit a moonshot. And that's what different type of power looks like. Guys right. don't have to do much. I mean, I, I'll never forget, Todd Helton told me one time, you know, the reality of it is when you hit a home run, 
90% of your home runs are off balance out in front. And it's, and it's just the ability to use the barrel to create leverage and you, you know, put a really good swing on it and get, get that path and work through the baseball and that creates spin, which ultimately creates the angle that, you know, shoots it out of the ballpark. You know, when you really get one, you know, but you can look back at your career, whether you hit 500 homers, whether you hit 50 homers, it doesn't matter. You can look back and say, you know, I really didn't get many where I just kind of like got all of it. And you may get two, three, four, five a season. If you're really lucky, you may get more, but the reality of it is the ability to hit a homer off balance. I mean, I remember A-Rod was one of the best I've ever seen at it. One-handed homer down the left field in the line. That That's that's a special type of guys, the special type of power. That's what Swinsky has. Crazy. Uh, speaking of a guy, that, well, this guy doesn't have a lot of power, but he's making an impact is uh, G1 Bay. I mean, that double today, it, was, it wasn't it was – He's got know, a ton of power, actually. He, Tons. I just he don't see trouble. it as much. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he, he, you know. It, it, it's a different cat, but yeah. Like yeah. his 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 uh his batting mechanics kind of drive me crazy because he often steps you know towards out of the box and it's like man I don't even know how you get the proper bat path to the ball but but uh, he makes it work and uh, I mean today hus his speed man it's just amazing that the hustle to get that double when he hit it to the gap but it didn't go all the way to the wall I mean just to turn that into a double was amazing he ended up scoring because of it too. Yeah, he's growing up a lot for me. I, I think coming in, there was a lot of question marks, especially about his his makeup and what type of guy he w- he was and wanted to be and what type of player too. And I think as the season's gone along with the people that are surrounding him, he's really grown up. And we're starting to see it come out in this play, um, the way he reacts to the good days and the bad days. Um, I'll never forget the day he was given an interview. He had, uh, I think, one or two errors had a big strikeout and he had his head down. And I was like, you know, I know that's their tradition from where he's from. Like he's disappointed. And then the next time he had a bad day, his head was up. I was like, that's a turning point for me. Because oh, that's good. He, he understood that like, Hey, I'm going to have bad days. I, I can't win every day. And he's been very open to adjustments, been very open to feedback and, and even criticism at times. But he also loves the praise. I think he, he feeds off the energy that the stadium gives him. So he's a guy that you want there because he's a fire starter. So I think he's got so much ability. I don't think we know what it can or can't be. There's a lot of question marks. But, yeah, if you watch him take BP, he can hit balls as far as Swinsky does um, pretty consistently because he understands his bat. He understands how to control the barrel as good as anybody on the team. And he's going to have swing and miss because, you know, maybe it's focus, maybe it's lack of approach. But – it's not because his path isn't good or his timing doesn't seem to be good, but I mean, he's made some huge adjustments. I mean, just to name a few, he's off the plate some because he dives in so much. Great example of a guy that did that, that put up big numbers after it was uh, Altuve. He backed off the plate. He dives in so much nice. and, and he's so fast with the hips. It looks like he's pulling off, but it's not. It's just, that's how good his hips are. The barrel flies through. So he's done that. That's made him start to hit better. He's gone to a two-strike approach. He's not always doing his, his leg kick. You'll see him put his foot down. You'll see him toe tap. Always making adjustments, tinkering, doing different things. I think that says a ton about what he wants. He yep. wants to be good, yep. possibly great. He's willing to make the changes, which is good to see. Because the thing, the thing too is I noticed like with, with him compared to some of these other guys, these other guys, look, their batting average is fluctuating a lot, up and down, up and down, up and down. He's now stayed in the 270 range of his batting average for a while now. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing. I think 
it depends on what type of player he's going to be, right? Is he going to be an OPS guy? Is he going to be a high batting average guy? I don't care as long as he gets on base. Right. Uh, when, when he gets on base, good things happen, right? Like if he, if he ends up hitting 15 homers, 20 homers, great. But I don't want to sacrifice him, you know, being able to be on base consistently because even today it's a double hustle, double. And then right after that, we have a wild pitch. And you got to think Navarro's really good behind the plate. He was in between, meaning he was worried about Bay. He right. was worried about Bay taking second base. He already got his job stolen from him in, in Alvarez. So he's probably got that high anxiety thinking he has to do more. He actually does. And then he tries to backhand a ball. It goes back. And then he couldn't even pick it up. That shows, you know, that his heart rate was really elevated. And that's because everybody knows what Bay can do on the base pass. He's, he's causing chaos, causing havoc. That leads to bad throws, more opportunities in free 90s. Yep. I, I, I've been saying it. This kid is electric. They got to play him as much as possible. And it's good to see that they are now. And he's really starting to uh, – paying dividends for the team. Uh, another guy that I've been enjoying watching is Marcano, man. That, that hit to get Bay in, just a clutch hit by Marcano. Uh, his bang average is sitting at 260 with an OPS of 750 as well. Um, I love this guy's style. He just brings an edge to the game, man. Yeah, he's my Ben Zobrist. And I say that very lightly. Um, right, I guess very confidently, I should say. Not lightly. Um, I was saying it lightly early on. He's a guy that's a plus defender at everywhere he plays, if you give him enough time. So that makes him a Benzo type. I think he's got enough pop to double-digit homers with 300 bats. <clears throat> and he puts together good at-bats even without having to play every single day. But what he's done at shortstop, you know, his ability to cover, you know, that position with <clears throat> our superhuman uh, disabled right now is huge. And we're going to need that for a long time. We're going to need that off the bench for a long time. And I think he's a guy that – he could walk into second base and walk into first base. It doesn't matter where you put him besides maybe catcher or pitcher, and you won't notice a huge difference. <coughs> yeah, um, another guy, Hayes, another hit today. He's got his batting average of 261 after it was like 216, what, like eight games ago? Just incredible. The toe tap's done for this kid. It's incredible. And the toe tap led to a tapping into the confidence. You know, sometimes it's just an adjustment that – gives you the confidence that you needed. You know, like people could have been just like patting him on the on the butt, saying, man, that toe tap looks good. Man, the ball's really jumping off your bat. And you re- relate it to a physical thing, but it's really probably more of a mental thing. Now, that being said, everything's moving better. I've broken him down, you know, 50 different ways plus sideways looking at his movements. They're more efficient. He's getting in his zone sooner. He's not as steep to the ball. He's staying stacked on his backside. He's holding his ground as good as I've ever seen him hold it, even better than 2020 when he came up. And this looks like it could be more consistent for him. Now he can really grow in his approach, understand you know, how good he is at making contact. And if he understands not to leave the zone, this guy's got so much more in the tank because his contact rate is so good, but he hits the ball so hard. He's like Kevin Newman with power. So Kevin Newman could really make contact with anybody, yet he didn't have a lot of pop. So he relied so much on trying to hit line drives all over the place. Key Bryan can hit line drives all over the place. I think he has the ability to create a huge OPS in the future as he starts to understand his approach and not swing outside the zone. That's going to be special. Special. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, like I said, like what I've said on the other my podcast before is with with him, it's 
I if you're a third baseman and you're not going to hit for power, I just please hit for average. Please please hit uh you know around the 290 uh 300 t- uh, area uh is what I'd like to see in my third baseman if he's not going to hit for power. And if he can just do that, I'm happy to be honest with you. But it seems like with his toe tap, he's generating more power too. So that's a a welcomed thing to see. I think the biggest thing you want to see from I, I like how you put that, but I would say run producers is what I want in the corners. Okay. I want guys that can produce run. So I, I look at the the um, on base <clears throat> cons and, and stuff. When you look at <clears throat> the plus type things that behind the scenes, like what's the weight that their presence is felt in the lineup? You know, that's why Joey Votto, you know, keeps getting signed because his I think it's I call it Obcon. You know, he's putting a lot of weight into certain plate appearances, whether it's a home run, a walk, um, but or an extra base hit, but he's constantly producing runs. And that's what I want to see out of a guy like Key Bryan or, you know, a first baseman in Santana is like, can they produce runs? I don't care if they if they hit 250 and have 100 RBIs, nobody's going to be complaining. That's true. You know, that's, that's a good that, point. That, that, that's the reality because if they hit 390 with runners in scoring position – and then 180 when no one's on base, no one's <laughs> going to really care because they're going to produce that many runs. No, that's that's a great point. Like I, I I didn't think of it from that standpoint, but no, that that makes sense. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's why everybody loved David's freeze. If you right. think about it, right? If yeah. They got on base. It's like he was a new animal. He was so clutch. It was he just was. A, a different guy out there at at the bat. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that makes sense. Uh, another guy, Reynolds, he hit that double off left field wall today. Uh, I'm hoping he's about to get on a power surge here soon, start hitting some more home runs. Yeah, I got to give a lot of credit to to Oakland. Um, they weren't going to pitch to him or Kutch. They were going to make Santana beat them. And they had a really good game plan. And they stayed around those two guys. Kutch walked nine times in five games. Reynolds walked a couple times, but he also left the zone a couple times. And that's a great opportunity for Reynolds to learn. I think as we saw the Mets series you know, unfold, we saw him hone in where he wanted to be. He didn't leave the zone as much. He hit some balls really, really hard. That was just bad luck. And that ball he hit the left was just outstanding. I mean, that's that's a homer probably nine or 11 parks in the league. Right. Um, yeah, the Pirates today, they were one for six with runners in scoring position like we were just talking about with um, with Hayes and you wanted to have guys that score runs. Um, they only had eight hits today, seven Ks, though. Uh, only Santana and Hedges didn't have a hit today. Santana has been really struggling. His uh, – his average is down to like 222, I believe. Yeah, and I, I think I think they maybe overexposed him by playing him so much, but like that's for him to decide. He's right. playing such good first base, and he's a guy that gets really, really hot, and he hasn't gotten hot yet. You know, he got hot early on in the season, but he hasn't got Santana hot. So that's a reality we got to look at and then say, okay, when this guy gets really, really hot, what's going to happen? And two, like, there's always more to it. You know, guys that, like him, like Kutch, you know, they're guys that have established careers or a contract. If they kind of fall off a little bit, you got to ask yourself, is something going on? Do they feel okay? You know, obviously Santana played through back spasms and different things, but there's always a lot more to it than you actually know. And that's what really good teammates and guys that have been around the league will do. Other guys, you know, they'll, they'll run to the shelf to collect their major league service time or whatever because they're a selfish player. We have a lot of guys that aren't. Right. Yeah, my, my biggest concern was they're playing Santana so much, I was worried he's going to tire out. 
And that's why you're going to see the decrease in his batting average and him hitting in, in general was my concern. Yeah. And I, I think he's a guy that I, I wouldn't mind them signing back um, for the future because I think another year gives him a chance to really understand who he is now. You know, like he still has flashes of young Santana. Right. And I think as you get older, you do have that and that, that kind of holds you on to something that maybe you need to let go of and understand that like you still have a great player, maybe even a better player as an older guy than you did as a younger player, because the consistency can be there in a different way. He's just got to take that step back, you know, cause he's got so much juice in the tank that sometimes maybe he tries to lift off when, Hey, I could just take that base hit the other way, or I could just, you know, take this walk, but it's, honestly because he cares so much and right. I'm always willing to take on a guy like that and say, all right, let's just take that back two steps and say, how can we win this second or this moment and, and worry about, you know, everything else after the fact. And I think he's starting to grab a hold of that more than ever. And it could take him to a whole new, whole new place, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's been a great uh, leader in the clubhouse for them uh, and, and his play at first base. I don't, I don't think we've had that kind of play at first pace in a long time. Like you go back. I, I really, I'm trying to remember, honestly. The the only guy I could think of and it was Casey McGee. It, it was close. Uh, Gabby Sanchez was okay, but Casey McGee was really, really good over there, but he was a third baseman right. playing first base. And, but I mean, Santana's on a whole nother level and, you know, Casey McGee played some, you know, he, he played some over there. He didn't play every day. I haven't heard that name in years. <laughs> I appreciate you bringing that up. I was like, man, I can't think about it, but that's that's a great name to bring up. Um, uh, so the Pirates are going to be playing the Cubs next. Uh, I know you've been real busy, so I don't know if you heard or not, but um, John Drecker, I think he's from that Prospects uh, page, he says that Oswaldo Vito is slated to join the Pirates in Chicago for his big league debut. I, I hadn't heard yet. That was our speculation, um, either that or um... – possibly they were going to do an opener at some point, but yeah, I, I, I like that. I think they need to give um, Contreras an opportunity to kind of figure some things out. I don't want to lose him uh, mentally. And that's always a fear when a guy that's young is struggling. So yeah, I think bringing up somebody, give him an opportunity. We have the roster space is really, really good. And, you know, we still have some time, so you never know. There may be some more moves before uh, that Cubs series starts. Yeah, Ben Charrington said on the radio show that uh, Ronzi was going to go ahead and go to the bullpen, which I think is a good move. He, he needs some things he needs to work on, obviously. Um, the Oswaldo Obito, though, just to give some people uh, at AAA, he had a four five five ERA, uh, 56 strikeouts, and a one three zero whip in 55.1 innings. And he's been in the Pirates system since 2017, John Drecker was reporting on Twitter today. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, I am too, because I mean the guy's got a high K rate, um, so I, I'm interested to see what he can do. I mean, I'm interested also to see if he's just going to be an opener, or actually, you know, be a starter in the rotation, or it's going to be a spot start, or what they're going to do. So it's interesting to see how they're going to deal with this. It is, it is interesting, and we need depth. So, like, I, I love that they they brought up the avatar. I love that they they've been using different guys to try to figure some things out because the biggest fear for me, especially for the city and the fan base is, you know, Oviedo is going to get into uncharted territory or is going to get into that uncharted territory. Mitch Keller is going to get into uncharted territory. What do you do? Right. Last year they protected Contreras. It didn't work. It, is that something they've gone back and said, okay, did we make a mistake? What we do wrong? Or was that Contreras who put it too hard on himself? There's a lot of question marks that 
they need to start to answer. And I feel like Sherrington's already doing that, you know, bringing up some other guys, some older guys that they've been, you know, fiddling around with, fixing some mechanical things, you know, helping guys get better extension, better release point, and they've come up and pitched well. So I'm excited to see what else is coming because it's not over. It's not done. Is Every day we stay in or near first place in the division that is kind of beat up and not the same. And I, I believe the Reds are, are on the attack and they're the team that everybody should be scared about in this division that, you know, why not now? Why not run a little bit and, and see what happens? Cause our guys are keeping us relevant, you know, with a lot of injuries, a lot of issues throughout the season that you could not have predicted. And we're sitting in a place that not many people even believe that the pirates could even be in, except maybe them and a couple of people like myself that, were very bullish on how good they could be just because of the culture they were creating. Yeah, I tell you what, the the injuries to Brubaker and Velasquez and Burroughs technically uh, is really going to force them to have to do something. If they stay in contention, they're going to have to make some kind of move, whether it's bring up more from the farm or they make a move. I, I don't know if you saw the trade rumors or not, but there's been rumors that they might be interested in Shane Bieber out of, uh, at the Guardians. Yeah, and Giolito is another one. Um, there, there's 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 guys out there that they could go grab and it, it make their team better. They're going to pick guys that they can hopefully control for more than one year. Giolito's contract's up. He's an older guy. Um, he fits in our ballpark. Uh, so, yeah, there's 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 guys out there. that. So, so he would be another rental then. So the, the price tag, in theory, should be less. Bieber would be a rental. Um, I would say Giolito wouldn't. Okay. Because um, his contract's up after this year. He's on a losing White Sox team. Now their division is still wide open. So both those names don't really carry a lot of weight because both those teams are still in a division that they only have one team the last I checked that was above 500. So they're going to beat the crap out of each other. And, you know, the White Sox have enough firepower that if they put some things together, they could run. Same with Cleveland in a division that's not very good. Okay. All right, so moving on to what I actually had you on the show for. Uh, so we've had this big thing going on with with Andy Rodriguez and Henry Davis, and you know people are like, "Man, why are we not calling them up yet?" So I thought I'd have you on the show to talk about that a little bit. Um, just currently, as we sit, uh, Andy Rodriguez, his current batting average is two fifty one with a three thirty eight on base percentage, three ninety four slugging. And a 732 OPS. Um, so I, do you feel like, like, what is it they're looking for at the triple, uh, AAA level with any Rodriguez? What is it they're looking for before they think he's definitely ready to be called up? They're both ready. Oh, so you I, feel they're both ready right now? Yeah, but what would you do if they came up and we got worse? Oh, wow. <laughs> well, but that's, that's what yeah. nobody talks about, right? Right. Like our pitching staff has taken a huge leap forward in the bullpen and as starters. Now, bring in two youngsters, sit hedges, sit delay. So you just took away our two best defenders outside Key Brian Hayes. Right. Right? right. Most run-save leaders, you just took them out of play for, for more offense, right? Now, right. now, the, now the argument is, well, look, their bats need to be in the lineup. Okay, where do you play them? Do you take Santana off first base? How's that going to do with the culture? Right. You take Joe out of right field. How's that going to do with the culture? 
there's a lot more to it than just are they better players, right? Right. Now, could they give us a boost down the line? Absolutely. Is it coming? Absolutely. Is it the future? 1,000%. But the timing's got to be right. And in May, it was awful. You're talking about bringing up a kid in, in Henry Davis. Is he ready for the big league? Sure. The guy's showing that he's ready for the big league. He can hit major league pitching because double A pitching, major league pitching isn't that different. It's just more consistent. So, yeah, both guys ready to hit in the big leagues. Both guys ready to catch in the big leagues better than Hedges and Delay? Absolutely not. Because they're going to come up and they're not going to take charge. They're not going to lead. Right. They're, they're going to catch a staff they've not caught. They're going to get thrown into a mix right in first place that they're not used to. So that's all those dynamics that really come at play. If we weren't playing well, both guys would probably be up. Right. But yeah. like that, that's what you have to look at. Like, because we're playing so well, we have two guys that get to learn how to play together in triple a, which I think is the biggest gift that'll keep on giving in years to come instead of learning that in the big league level. Like that was one of my biggest fears for those two guys. You can't learn how to play in the big leagues, compete with the guy that's right next to you and then learn how to play with them. If you guys are going to play together in that dynamic, that's a lot. Now they're getting to learn where like numbers don't matter. Like if Indy doesn't hit well this year, who cares? The guy's proven he can hit. He's focused solely on catching, being better at catching the swings coming around it's swinging better and it's all going to play out the way it can. But yeah, if somebody gets hurt, one of those guys coming up. But other than that, like you got to think about the bigger picture at play here. Like, Rich Hill loves hedges, right? Yep. Guess yep. who Keller's throwing to? Hedges. Yep. Guess who's catching the young guys? Delay. And they're right. being like they're they're breeding a different type of animal in that bullpen and and in that starting rotation that I think is gonna set a standard throughout the organization that I think you know those guys can come up and kind of compliment, right? Compliment right. these guys. You know, I don't think delay as much as hedges. I think delay is the future third catcher for us for a long time is, is my hope. But that's, that's what people aren't talking about is if it wasn't such a premium position, because neither one of these guys are Adley Rushman. They didn't, no. they didn't, they didn't have that type of understanding of the game. They weren't that type of student of the game to, to really take five steps forward ahead of everyone else mentally to run a staff. I mean, when Adley got there, their staff got better. That's that this doesn't happen. That's a Buster Posey thing too. And those guys, that's what they want. They want to see that happen where they come in. Not only do they make the like staff better, they make your lineup better. So they're dynamic players immediately. So that that's, that's a different way to think about it that most people aren't talking about. Now, if they want to come up and play right field every single day, you just have to understand that there's more that goes into that decision. Like it doesn't matter about super two. They're not holding them back for that reason. They're holding them back for any other reason that like you're going to change a, a, a dynamic on a team that's in most that's people's winning. opinion. Yeah. Most <laughs> people's opinion is playing better than they should. And the only thing that makes sense other than these guys have all improved a little bit is the culture. Yeah. Like, <laughs> My thing was when they when they Henry was down at Double A and and people this was about two three weeks ago like I looked at the fact that the guy at the time only had three hundred and sixty seven at bats in their system that was it it was like uh, you know and people were comparing it to Sowinski when he got called up from Double A and Castro and they got called up from Double A 
So I so I did a episode where like I compared their numbers, and it wasn't that great when they got called up. With the, besides the fact that Sawinski hit a lot of home runs, besides that, um, but the K rate was ridiculous. And I and I try to point that out to them. But like you said, and and I'll piggyback the, on it. Those is that guys they, were they, they were in need. Right, too. That too. But also, they had a ton more bats in the system in general. Like they were at a fifteen hundred at bats at least. When you, but they're calling for a guy to be caught up with three hundred and sixty-seven at bats. To me, that just didn't sound right. This is a guy that's been injured. But to me, it was also people to understand. They just see the bat. And they don't realize that when it comes to a catcher, there's so many more things they have to work on. You know, we're talking about anything from calling games for pitchers, pitch framing, blocking, throwing out runners. And I think another thing that people haven't taken uh, into effect with this is the fact that now we have these new rules that make it even harder on on catchers and pitchers with runners on. Now you can only uh, do two disengagements. If you do a third one, you better get them picked off. So now they can get a bigger lead. So I think these are kind of things that people don't understand that you have to factor in that these guys have to prepare for when they get called up. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. And like I said, think about us into June, early July, or even post-All-Star break, being right at first place and getting a boost from both those guys. Right. Right. And, you know, you can say this is where they fit. And it's not going to cause an issue. It's not going to cause flack. That's awesome, right? It's like a trade acquisition. But you know that they that the, when they come up, it, it's their spot. It's it's where they need to be. And I can't say that is a is a fact behind the plate. The balance of that maybe, but like I can't say that's a fact. That's why like you know you you got to let it play out and, and see where that goes. No, a little you, bit you more raise, than most people yeah. want it to. Now you raised some some concern there that that I don't think a lot of people have have heard or, or understand, and that's and that's that's a big thing for me too. Like because when you when you brought it up like that, it's like oh wow, that's that's a good point. I mean, you're right. The pitching staff for the most part has been better than people thought they would be, and the the bullpen too. So um, yeah, I I don't know. I, you have you pause now too because I've been I've been wanting to see Andy go ahead and get called up. He's the one that I've been like okay. Because um, he's been better in his last, uh, I'd say, what, I think his last seven to ten games, he's been batting around 285. So, um, and his everything's went up. His on-base percentage, his slugging, all that stuff. So, I, I've i been okay with them calling him up. Uh, but with with Henry Davis, I, I have been okay with him maybe not even touching uh, the team until, you know, September where you can go to 40. Yeah, I, I mean, if they can impact and – in, in any way to, to win baseball games, I want them up here. So I, I think right now, offensively, they can impact us. It's just where do you put them? And you, you got you to gotta really think hard about how that would play, you know, because people will say, oh, well, when lefties pitch, you know, Swinski can sit. Okay, well, guess what? You just made a 1-1 guy, a platoon guy, in Henry Davis, right? Oh, well, let's, let's play, you know – Indy at first, okay? You just took the best first baseman off the field in all of baseball and a team leader. So, like, you just have to think through it, right? Do right. I think that's fine down the line? Sure. I think everybody can get on board with that. But right now, right? Because still, you still got to get Santana at bats. You still got to get Joe at bats. You still got to kind of float around. I mean, they just called up Smith and Jigma. I'm sure everybody's calling for him to get called up. But guess what? He didn't play for three days. 
We just beat the Mets two out of three. That sucks right. for that sucks sucks for Smith and Jigma. It does. Like, yeah, I want him to get his big league time, but I want that guy to be a part of our future because I, I believe in what he can do and he's a winner at heart. So I see him as as a possible right fielder that's in there every day, no matter lefty, no matter righty, that puts together good at bats that can balance your lineup out. That's what I see in him as a average or above average defender that wants to win and has a winning mentality. So, like, do you want him here sitting on the bench, shaking hands, giving high fives, signing autographs, or do you want him in AAA playing? Now, it sucks. I've been in that role, but I'm always going to lean towards I need to play because I can get better if I'm playing. And if I'm not going to be an everyday guy, make me, in, make me a guy that's playing off the bench down in the minor leagues. Don't make me an everyday guy because yeah, that's don't. not going to help me produce for my big league you know, career. And that's one thing that happened in my career that really took me to a whole new, another level. It was like Glenn Allen Hill said, hey, dude, this is what they see. This is what you've said. You're going to be a backup catcher or the other catcher to get extra bats, whatever you want to call it. Let's make you that. So I played every two days during my rehab stint. I did not play like they wanted me to. He pushed back. They wanted me to get so many bats before I got called up. He was like, nope, this is how we're going to do it. And it took longer, but I'm so thankful because I learned really a rhythm to it. And it was so good for me. And I got used to playing every two to three or four days. And it was great. And I learned my focus and where my head needed to be and how to get ready for a game that I wasn't ready to play because, you know, our starter got hit in the head, you know, right, right before the game, which happened twice. And it's, wow. it's something that you can learn at the minor league level when you have a winning organization, you're trying to do something special because all these guys can't get at bats. No, that's, that's a great point because that's what happened with Smith and Jigba the last time they had, mm-hmm. him. he, he wasn't getting at bats and they finally sent him down. So no, that's, that's a great point. Uh, what do you what do you take of them? They were playing Henry in right field a lot towards the end there before he got moved up to AAA. What what did you think of that? It's brilliant. I mean, it if you're looking at two guys that are possibly your two best offensive players in your entire organization, and they both play the same position, you got to do something. You got to do something fast, and they're both good athletes. So we already know Rodriguez can jump around the diamond. He can do it very well. Like. The scouts graded out well. I, I saw him take ground balls at first and second. Saw him play a little bit of outfield. He's very, very athletic. Moves great. He almost looks unorthodox more behind the plate because how big he is and lanky he is, but he's hypermobile, so that's a huge benefit. Henry Davis, same way, right? So, like, his ability to walk out to right field and play gives him a chance to be in the lineup every single day because these guys don't need to be dh and They're way too young. They can literally walk out. Like, we just played the Mets. They had to DH Alvarez because – my guess is he's not adequate enough to move around. Maybe not as good an athlete. These two guys are. So you may have a first baseman in, in Indy in the future. You may have, you know, a right fielder in Henry Davis in the future who can catch too. Because one of them's going to take the bulk. It, or even if they split time, you're still going to want them in the lineup as much as possible. Yeah, no, that no, that makes sense. Um, all right. Well, last thing I'm going to ask you is uh other prediction, when do you think Andy will be caught up, and then when do you think Henry Davis will be caught up? That's a great question. Because, um, I mean, if anybody knows, <laughs> it'd be you. Like, if, if you had to, like, going off of what you're seeing right now, I mean, do you do you have a time frame you think that that's probably when they're going to give them the nod? I don't. Like, it, I, I see paths to them getting called up. Indy's going to get called up first, probably. 
Okay. Um, but he, if he, knock on wood, unless there's an injury, either one of them could come up tomorrow. But it would be as a catcher, unless okay. there's an injury. And and I and I say that because, um, when I was in St. Louis, I got called up for my bat. They called okay. up the best bat. Now, listen, I was a veteran guy. They called me up for my bat and said, hey, we want you to mentor everybody that's younger than you and sit in all the scout meetings. with. That, that was my whole job. I was Owings, but I was going to pinch hit. And they said, Molina catches every day. You may catch, but probably not. And that's what I did. So I knew my role. Now, there may be a time where, all right, we have a stretch of games, you know, that it fits, right? And, it's going to work out well. Hedges needs a break. Delay doesn't need to be overexposed. So they call up Indy. He gets the bulk of that time. That's why I say Indy first because you know, that, that could happen as a catcher. Now, with the bat-wise, you know, if you're winning and, and you're trying to run, whoever's the best hitter at the time is going to get called up. Right now it would have been Smith and Jigma if you look at it. I mean, the way he's been swinging the baseball bat. But that's what's going to happen, especially with those guys being able to float around. So – you know, if they put themselves in the right position, we have roster space, so Henry's not a problem either. If they're if they're the best player available and we're pushing, you know, forward, it's going to be one of those guys at some point. Okay. And if Andy does get caught up, you're predicting that both Delay and Hedges will stay as well. Yeah, we're always going to carry three. Okay. Um, and don't be surprised if we carry four down the line, um, if if they're playing other positions. So. That'd be that'd be incredible. I, I man, I I, do, I can't think of a time frame of that happening where you got four guys that are supposed to be primary catchers, but because of guys having multiple positions, you have that many on the roster. Wow, that'd be incredible. It, it would, and just look how the Reds are are um, put together. They have two veteran guys, and then they have Thompson, and right. Thompson DHs. Uh, he's played a little bit of first base, but that gives them the option to do a lot of things. Yeah, the DH is giving people a lot more different options to go with things. Correct. And, you know, that's why we probably made that trade with Tampa Bay to, to give away Stevens besides dishing out some salary and hopefully being able to pour it in somewhere else. But we got a defender first because back in the day, all American League teams had some superhuman defender like uh, James McDonald. You know, when he was here, he played defense. He didn't hit. But you could play him anywhere and be like, wow, that dude can really pick it. And that's – that's how you build winning ball clubs. And I think that's what they're looking at is like, all right, where can we, you know, move and shift and do different things um, to make sure, you know, our team is adequate moving forward. And I'll give you one you can think about going into your next podcast is Adahar. Guys demolishing baseballs down to AAA. He's on a $1.6 million major league contract salary. You got to ask yourself, what's the thought there? Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Here's my no, thought. Absolutely. Here's your future first baseman if it pans out. Right. No, I, I thought it was when they when they added him. I thought it was a good move because of the potential he has. Yeah, and uh, he's getting at bats and he hasn't had this where he could just go and figure it out. And I think they thought they could get him enough at bats early on when he came up and he came up and made a huge splash right out of the gate. Yep. I played against this guy. This guy's got an unbelievable ability to make contact. And he hits the ball extremely hard. If he understands his approach and can play adequate first base and move around maybe a little bit, like you're talking about a guy that could walk in your lineup 2020 next year. 
like 20 homers, 20 stolen base because he can run too. Like that's a big deal. So um, no, they're absolutely. doing things different than 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 I think a lot of people understand because when Neil Huntington was here and, and and that crew, we didn't have that I can remember anybody on in the minor leagues making over a million bucks. Nobody. I think we have more than one right now, maybe two. So. Yeah, no, I, I think it definitely is. Uh, well, there's definitely a difference between the the Ben Charrington regime at, to Neil Huntington, and I, and I, and I think it's good that they're doing something uh, maybe unique or something that a lot of people don't do because I think that's what you have to do if you're going to be a small market team. You have to get creative. You have to do different things. Look at the race; they have their thing that they do, and it's unique. And guess what? It works. And they're a very small market team, and they win. Yeah, and, and baseball is proving right now. Market doesn't matter. If right. you put the right group of guys together, it's not the NBA. It's not, you know, NFL. It, it's different, right? We just saw that. If you looked at the, I think, what well, we could probably fit our payroll four or five different ways into the Mets payroll. Right. So I mean that that's that's what you got to look at because one guy getting hurt, two guys getting hurt, one guy not playing up to par, and they're all making thirty million dollars. That's ninety million dollars. You know, so you, you, you look at it. Now we're getting guys to sign here who want to be here. Kutch says he wants to come back. He doesn't really want to play anywhere else. Santana said he wants to come back. Bednar wants to lock it in. Keller wants to be here. Reynolds signed for long-term. Hayes signed for long-term. Both, in my opinion, are going to be great deals for the team. You get that type of thing happening, you become the Atlanta Braves. You're just in the Central. Right. And they're saying that uh, the Pirates are in deep talks with Cruz. I'm not sure how true that is, but – Man, Best time to sign really guys. Are. Never forget that. Best time to sign yep. guys is when they're, when they're on the deal. Yeah, yep. because the agent has a reality, who's always the problem, and the player has a reality. Like, I would sign Velasquez it, to a two-year deal, and I would sign JT Brubaker right now to a two-year deal. Yeah, no, it it, it makes <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. Like, I, I just I, – that's another thing I've been impressed with is just the fact that they went back-to-back years in keeping key players, you know, that I – just something that we're not used to seeing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's high risk, high reward, but, you know, there's something to be said. I, I had five knee surgeries in my career, and, you know, when I felt most comfortable is when I knew who had a hold of me. You know, right. like I had to change hands. I went from the Pirates to the Rockies, but I went from a family to a family, and my play showed. And I was talking to JT Brubaker about the same thing. Like, it's very difficult to go into that market – you'll hurt and they're going to ask a ton of questions. You're going to be changing hands. You're going to be doing your own rehab with someone at home. And then like, it's going to be all this shifting. I said, there's something to be said. And Tyler, Tyler Chatwood's a great example to talk to. He's in AAA for us to be able to sign a two-year deal and just focus on getting healthy and come back to help your team win. And you, you bet on the right guy, you're going to win. And JT Brubaker, Vince Velasquez, O'Neill Cruz, those are all good human beings that, that love the guys around them. And, you know, if you can get them for, you know, cost or wholesale, it's a win-win for both. Yeah, it's it's amazing whenever you can get the right group of people together, what they can accomplish. Yeah, no doubt. That's why there's there's these guys called the SEAL teams. Right? <laughs> yeah. And it's yep. hard to get it's hard to get in. It's hard to stay in. But if you get in, it's a brotherhood. Yep, and absolutely. That's when it gets special. Nope, I agree. Um, all right, well, that's all I got. Uh, did you have anything you'd like to plug before we uh, end this? Man, how about I, I'm just going to plug Jesus, you know? Okay. Like, yeah, let's just I, – I think what the Oklahoma softball team just did and talked about joy in a very uh, 
very world that, you know, can be very, very tough. I think that was really cool. I think whether you believe, whether you don't, um, I'm a believer. I believe in Jesus. Uh, I, I argue with him. He's a friend and a father and sometimes a foe. And I think people just need to understand that the joy in life comes from the light you can shine <clears throat> for others, just like he did for us. So that's what I want to plug. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and uh, I agree. I, I have my battles as well. <laughs> and we all do. You know, yes. and I, I say this to kids and, and to guys that I mentor all the time. I said, everybody has a reality. Don't assume yours is right. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, we all have to have faith in something. Have right. faith in something is what I say. Right. And if you search long, long enough, I promise all roads lead back to Jesus. But until then, just keep asking questions. Yep, absolutely. All right. Um, I just wanted to tell you, thank you so much for coming on here. This was a lot of fun. Uh, I know you're really busy. I've been really busy, too. Uh, so yeah, you were, you're a workaholic, huh? Uh, yeah, uh, between two podcasts, 12 hour shifts and the, and the two kids in, in baseball and softball. Yeah. I've been pretty busy too. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. It's great but, though. uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, take care, Michael. All right. You too. Thank you. God bless. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that episode with, uh, Michael McHenry being on the show. Um, that's all I got today. Just remember, if you like the podcast, I really appreciate it. If you'd like to subscribe to it, just click the follow button or uh, click the add button. And that's all you got to do to subscribe to the show. Don't forget, I'm also on the Steelers Sanctuary podcast with Dave Rebeer from SteelersSanctuary.com. If you're a Steelers fan, we we got all kinds of different people coming on the show. We've already had Vince Williams on the show. Nick Farabaugh from Pittsburgh Sports Now has been on the show. So if you're a Steelers fan, appreciate it. You want to subscribe to that as well. All right, guys, that's all I got. Take care. I'm out.